This episode is brought to you by global retailer W.H. Smith. For more information, go to whsmith.co.uk. Welcome to the Airport Experience News Podcast. I'm Ramon Lowe, the publisher of AXN and the host of this pod. Hopefully you're enjoying our episodes. If so, please make sure you leave a positive comment or review. Additionally, please make sure that you subscribe if you don't do so already. This way you can get the latest episodes as we post them and there won't be this need to search for the latest and greatest. And you're going to want to subscribe because we have a full schedule of guests slated for the coming weeks that you just don't want to miss. Well, this is episode 76 and the continuation of our series focusing on small businesses. Here I chat with Frederick Estes, the president of Estes Enterprises and a longtime ACDBE operator based in Minnesota. Frederick talks about his family's rise in the industry, learning along the way like many longtime small businesses who grow up in this business. So here is my conversation with Frederick Estes. So I'm here with Frederick Estes, the president of Estes Enterprises. Frederick, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for uh, having me on the show today. Well, um, thank you for taking the time to join me. I'm sure um, I want to send you a little bit of warmth from sunny South Florida to up there to, to, to Minnesota where you are. Is that welcome? That would be uh, that would be wonderful. We would welcome that warm weather. It's uh, it's gotten a little bit colder here sooner than what we are used to. <laughs> so we definitely appreciate the warm weather. Oh man, I, I'm I'm hoping that yeah. uh, the next six months or however long you got the weather uh, will. We'll go by quickly, let's say. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So do we. So do we. Absolutely. Thank you for that. <laughs> so a little bit of background. Um, you know, November is Small Business Month. And so like last year, I'm spending much of November chatting with various small businesses in our industry. And listen, you've been in this industry for many years. We're now um, only recently getting to know one another. That's, that's on me. But one of the things that really struck me is we had a conversation last March in uh, Vegas at the uh, Airport Experience Conference, and it really centered around the plight, maybe I should say that, you know, the plight of small businesses and their place in this industry. So that's, that's pretty much what I'd like to get to. But before we get all that, we're going to get to that in a few. Um, mm-hmm. Give me a little bit about your background pre-airports. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Once again, thank you for having me and um, truly appreciate the opportunity to share our story with you. Um, my story starts, uh, I was blessed to have grown up in a family of entrepreneurs um, it all started, I would say, back in Des Moines, Iowa, when my great uncle opened up Estes Funeral Chapel in 1939, which then led to my uncle and my father opening Estes Funeral Chapel in Minnesota in 1962. In 1973, my parents opened Estes Hallmark, where we operated seven stores over a 31-year period. And during that time, uh, my parents also opened Estes Gifts and News, which is in the Minneapolis-St. Paul International Airport. They opened that store in 1987. And during that time in the mid-80s, early mid-80s is when the ACDBE program really started to grow. So I actually grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, and that was something prior to the airport business. You know, I was part of our Hallmark business and just had my parents as great mentors. We had multiple family members in the business and uh, truly learned a lot from all of them and um, feel very honored to continue on this second generation, this legacy of operators here in Minneapolis, as well as in other places in the country. Was so that's it, basically how I got started there. 
Yeah, was it was it was it odd at the time? Because like you said, the, it, you came right at the rise of the ACV program, and um, I'm sure airports were not looked upon then like they are now, as far as the you know the, these centers of opportunity and destinations and experiences, et cetera. That's correct. And, you know, I think the reason we received that opportunity was we had several regional locations. Our stores were in regional shopping centers and strip malls prior to my family opening up the first location in the airport. So I believe when the ACDBE program started to roll out and they started to the airports basically didn't have very many at that time, if any at all. So they were looking through the community, the airports were, uh, and the local communities to look for operators that had operating experience, which we did. We had operated for several years. And when we went into the MSP airport, we went in as a sublease where you see nowadays, you see most ATDBEs go in as joint venture yeah. operators, learn the business and potentially try to grow into opening their own stores. But we went in straight as uh, as an operator and it, it was a learning curve. I have to tell you, it truly was a learning curve because operating <laughs> in an airport from the regional shopping centers, it was it's like night and day. The hours, the staffing, the security, the badges, everything. So it, it was definitely was a learning curve, but it was it was good for us to learn that. I think I think at that time it's like everyone was learning together, right? I mean, because it's not as highly specialized as it is now. You've grown up in this business, so it's it's that's one thing. But like you, everyone was kind of finding their way. Is that accurate? I think that's completely accurate. People were finding their ways. They were they were figuring out the industry. The aviation industry was it's constantly changing, constantly evolving. And I think that's something that uh, the early ACDBE operators going into the business, we were figuring it out, too. We were figuring it out along the way. We had a great partner in HMS Host at that time. It was HMS Host had retail at that time, and we yes. were subleasing from them. And it um, learned quite a bit from them and learned about just the whole infrastructure of an airport, just operating under an airport guidelines. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, our shipments... <laughs> We did not have vendors to um, to. We didn't have the vendor relationships. So what I'll, I'll be honest, this is, you'll find this rather uh, humorous. But every Monday morning, I would go to one of the large stores, whether it be Sam's Club or Costco, and pick up all the product and drive it out to the airport and deliver it myself every Monday for probably I'd say the first three years is how we got product in our stores. Hey, whatever it takes, you know, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that's that was the, the way we had to get it done. That, that's the entrepreneurial life. I mean, you it, when a small business and it's it's you, you have to do right. it, you know by any means necessary. I guess you do what you have to do. Until we could build, we were new to the industry, the aviation industry, so no one knew us. So it was challenging to get the uh, the vendor relationships to get them to bring our beverages, to bring our snacks and candy and. And whatnot. So I had to go pick all that up every Monday <laughs> until we grew into the airport business and uh, met some of the vendors so we could create those relationships. But like you said, as a small operator, you do what you have to do. Is that, uh, just going back to your memory bank right now, is that probably one of the, I don't want to say funniest, but one of the memories that kind of stands out when you kind of finally look back at like when you get got started in this business? Oh, absolutely. Because when I tell my staff that today, they, I mean, they find that extremely humorous and uh, they get quite a kick out of that to fight, to realize that uh, they see the traffic that comes to those airports. Now they see the amount of product, not amount of people that come through our stores that 
I had to go pick all that up every Monday to replenish our stories. And they, uh, you know, you, you wear a lot of hats. You and, and one of mine was the, uh, I was the uh, delivery. I was the UPS, the FedEx, everything. And it's, uh, they do, I look back on that now, and it's something that, uh, as we've grown, definitely something that would be extremely challenging now. But uh, my, my team does get quite a kick out of that. Well, it's part of the grind. It's that's part of the grind, as they say. Right, that is so true. But you know, that's what makes you strong too. That's what makes you strong. Exactly. Learn the business. That's one thing I learned from the uh, from my folks is that even though I grew up in the business, I had I went through every position for every company we ever had. So starting from the stocking of boxes, cleaning whatever it was, dumping out trash, all the way up to sales associates. Uh, assistant managers, managers. So you learn every position and having that background truly uh, helps you going forward. You know, that's, that's why I started doing these types of interviews in all honesty. Like uh, I started with a set last November. Um, I've uh, interviewed uh, a whole bunch of companies now for this upcoming group. And I love hearing the stories. I mean, again, it's not favoring one story over another, but I love just saying, you know, it's, it's a family affair and everyone is involved in if you're working to register, if you're, you know, bringing in the, 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 the supplies, it is what it is. Exactly. exactly. And, and that's what, that's the beauty of small business operators. Everybody has a journey. Everybody yes. has a story. Everybody has a journey and a path that they've had to walk down to get to where they're at today. And, um, you know, I like to share that with our, um, you know, new entrepreneurs that are looking to get into business. They see where you are now, but they see where you were in the past. And, you know, understanding that, where we've gone now, where the blessings have come from, it all started from a lot of hard work and just being diligent and not willing to give up. Well, it's funny because um, that was one of the things that came up and a question just popped in my head when you mentioned that, and I'm going to get to it now, but like you mentioned new entrepreneurs, you know, do, do you take, partake in any mentoring of your own? Because I'm sure, look, you guys are blazing trails and when you're blazing a trail, there's not, there's not um, anything, uh, a predefined path to follow. You're making your own. So are you also providing some sort of mentorship, maybe following up for, for those that you see that are coming up? Absolutely. I work with several ACDBE operators that, um, you know, the biggest challenge they want to know is how to operate under that model. They want to know yeah. also um, about the leases. So I read a lot of leases too, and I provide assistance that way also. And it's, um, you know, there's always somebody who have helped you along the way, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a coach, a teacher, someone, somebody in the industry that had opened the door for you or gave you some useful advice. And, you know, I believe in giving back too, because we've been, my family's been extremely blessed and fortunate to be in this position. And we want to share that, those blessings with others along the way, because there's so many disparities that we see in this community is, or across the country, especially in the ACDBE arena of small operators and you see the equity disparities and whatever we can do to help change that and create some generational wealth or legacy building for other families. I mean, that's what it's all about. I think that's truly the essence of this ACDBE program is to help the small minority and women-owned businesses to achieve that ultimate goal of owning your own business someday. And for me personally, I just feel that you have to share those blessings with others because I had several, my parents were mentors, but I had another great mentor that was there with me that um, spent a lot of time in opening up the doors for us and um, just really how to be a smart business person. And um, you have to share that knowledge because 
you know, a lot of people, this is, industry is very challenging and um, I enjoy it. I see mm-hmm. the excitement in their eyes. I see the fear in their eyes, but <laughs> I see their determination and drive because there's both. There's both. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I, I forgot who I mentioned. Um, or I spoke with. I, I oh, that's right. I spoke with uh, Manuel Soto of Skyline Concessions, and he, you know, he. I don't know if you're familiar with him or his story. His dad, Manny Soto, ran Soto Sanchez. He worked for him during school, and he worked for Pacific Gateway, and then he branched out on his own. And I think he was talking about how it's different when it's your dime. <laughs> when you're playing with someone else's money, you know, it, it's one thing, but it takes on a different level or a higher meaning, I guess, when it's you, not just responsible for it, but like everything else in terms of like from, from the financial components and et cetera, and it gets elevated. But for some folks, um, it's a, that's fearful. They can be fearful about that, but others, it's, it, it kind of drives them to run into the burning building in some ways, I guess. No, that's so true. And it, you do think about it differently because when it is your dime, I mean, it's you trying to cover the cost of the operation of the, of the business, trying to do the build out, trying to meet payroll, trying to cover mortgages. I mean, it is your dime. So you look at things differently and you challenge things, you um, sharpen your pencil that much, that's much more when you're going into different contracts and agreements. And it's um, when it is your dime, you do have to look at it differently. And it, it, it's, it's, uh, not for the weak of heart either. When you go into an airport business, you have to, uh, you got to have some faith and some trust that you're going to make it through this because it's, there's some uh, risks that are involved in any business and especially in an airport uh, environment. We'll return to the interview. Once again, this episode of the Airport Experience News Podcast is sponsored by global retailer W.H. Smith. For more information on how they can bring their retail experiences to your airport, go to whsmith.co.uk. And now, back to the interview. Well, you're also responsible for so many people, right? I mean, we were started by a, a small business owner, uh, Pauline Armbrust, and she was always approaching it from, okay, I've built a great business here, but I have a great responsibility to the folks right, who are under my employ. And that was kind of the drive. It's different now that we're owned by a much larger company, but that was kind of like the drive. I, wanted, I need to be able to make sure that I have, I'm taking care of not just me and, and my family, but like the families and livelihoods of, of those who are helping me drive this passionate business of mine. That, yeah, absolutely. That is so true. I mean, our uh, people are our greatest asset and our greatest strength. And it's something that... We're, a, we're I still consider us a small business. Um, it was started from a family business from all the way back to 1939 in the funeral home business, which we all worked in all the way up to where we are now. But I still look at our staff as family too. So there's, it's still run as somewhat of a, uh, of a family business. So everyone is very close and has mm-hmm. an understanding of our culture of a family business. Granted, as we grow, we create more policies, procedures that we have to follow as we get larger, but it's still the importance of taking care of our people. And that's truly um, an important uh, piece to me is to make sure that our staff is taken care of, that our team is there. And we all look at each other as a family. And it's, um, you know, that's something one of my employees texted me uh, a couple of weeks ago about a question and I just wanted to, he brought something to our attention that was going on and I truly just wanted to thank him for doing that. And he said, no, don't thank me. We're a family. This is what we do. Family takes care of family. And that was just so overwhelming to receive a message from one of our team members like that. It was, uh, 
is very heartfelt, very, very, very powerful. My next question, really, you touched upon uh, a couple times in several of your responses, but I'd love to go over kind of like the, uh, the state of the industry as it pertains to small businesses, as it pertains to ACDBEs. You know, I've mentioned this in a couple of previous episodes now. There have, you know, we're on somewhat on the heels of W.H. Smith acquiring Marshall Retail Group. And before that, um, you know, host reacquiring Stellar Partners, Avala, et cetera. And there's been really a shrinking of the pool on the retail side, which is, I think, predominantly where you decide that you play in, right? So what does the state of the industry look like for small businesses and ACDBEs? Is, is there still opportunity? Do you see opportunity? You know, it's a great question. Um, the state of the industry is rapidly changing. As you mentioned, um, you have larger corporations buying up some of the mid-sized corporations. There's a lot of um, partnering and uh, purchasing of these businesses and how those, how that affects the uh, small ACDBE operators. You know, that's, that's one concern. I th- I've been part of those um, where I've been part of one operator that was acquired by another operator. Mm -hmm. However, there's also other obstacles and challenges for small companies that are coming up in the industry. And it's, um, I think that the biggest key in any business is your relationships and keeping positive relationships with your uh, partners. And for us, we have, um, we have a variety. We have a direct lease with airports. We have subleases. Mm-hmm. We have joint ventures. So we have a variety of those, but it's um, maintaining those relationships and the value that we bring to the table, I think, is key for the small operators. The um, Going forward in the future now, some of the biggest challenges that I see that come up when I speak to some potentially new operators is the, the cost, the cost yes. of doing business. And an airport continues to rise. The cost of goods continues to rise. The cost of labor, the cost to build these stores continues to rise. And in my opinion, I don't see really the, um, you know, the net worth with the ACDBE program increasing because in order for one to rise, you need to have the other to, in order to build stores. If you go in a sublease model where you operate yourself, what I am seeing now going forward is more people are interested in the joint venture model, which there's nothing wrong with that model. You can definitely learn a lot um, under a prime operator. The ACDBE program is geared towards educating operators and then hopefully helping them gain the knowledge and experience to go off and own their own store at some point. But I don't see that as a driver nowadays. I see more people going in as a JV. And with the consolidation, you know, it makes it, it does make it challenging because you have fewer primes now. And um, there's going to be some changes that need to take place uh, across the entire industry going forward in order so that we can keep this. It's still a, a very valid program. It's a much needed program too. So you mentioned, you know, there are a variety of opportunities available to small businesses out there. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, seizing them, I guess, or having the opportunity to seize them, I should say. You know, there's the, the submodel, the uh, JV, maybe you're looking to branch off into other categories apart from your own. Let's say you're in retail, you branch into food or passenger services, et cetera. You know, does, does that look appealing, not just to you, but maybe it should be appealing to other small businesses who want to, uh, I guess, expand their footprint? Absolutely. I think that's a great question. I do think it's um, an option there. You know, you have the sublease model, the joint venture model, the direct lease model, and some of the the uh, options now that weren't necessarily there 
when my family started back in 1987 is the kiosk program. The kiosk program where you can get in to an airport, bring your concept and see if it works in an airport, low overhead. It's normally in many cases a month to month lease where you can get a feel so you're not tied in to a long term contract that may be eight to 10 years. It's a short-term contract where many small operators can really get into the industry to see what it would take, the long hours, the 365 days a year. So, you know, those are the staffing concerns of making sure you have the right number of people in your locations. Um, Definitely a way to, um, for people to become educated on about the industry. And that's the biggest thing is either having a mentor or having an opportunity like this to help you understand the uh, environment that you're going into. It's also a great way for the airport to see you. I mean, right. It, it, if, if I'm not familiar with uh, Frederick Estes, but like he definitely is doing well with, um, with this kiosk program and maybe he can graduate then to something inline or, or bid on his own. I mean, that's, it's also like an audition, I should say. Well, you know, that's absolutely right, because one of our concepts, our concepts in the Minneapolis airport, St. Paul International Airport, um, we oversee, we have news and convenience stores, and we also have specialty retail. My specialty retail started in a kiosk for probably, I'd say, three years. And after operating in a kiosk model under specialty retail, the opportunity came for us to have a full-fledged store with our specialty retail, which has worked out extremely well for us. So that's one way, as you said, to prove yourself and to show the airport what you can bring to the table and how you can operate effectively. Granted, we had our other stores, our um, brick-and-mortar stores within the airport, but Mm -hmm. in this new concept, we had to prove ourselves. And that led to having a full-fledged store of that concept. So taking, so going back to 1987 to now, I mean, when was the fastest, I guess, period of evolution or change? In pivot? Is it, it's, I, I got to say, it's probably in the last decade or so, or maybe even the last five years, right? Because it's, it's it was like a slow build, it seems, from when you guys started to now where it's just the pace is so rapid. You know, that's uh, one of the top questions I hear from new uh, ACDBE operators <laughs> that are in the airport. They ask us, why did it take so long for you guys to grow? And um, in 19, because right now in Minneapolis, we have, we have six locations. And in 1987, we also had our other stores that were outside of the airport that we were managing. However, every deal, and I tell them, every deal is not a good deal. And it may be the wrong time, opportunity is not right, or the finances aren't right at that time, too. And I tell people, we've turned down more opportunities than the actual stores that we have just for one of those particular reasons. And that's one thing that I uh, learned along the way is that um, you don't want to overextend yourself if you can't provide. I'd rather make sure that we're extending ourselves and growing the business in a slower, steady pace than trying to grab every contract and do as much as we can. And then, you know, you can end up failing and that affects your reputation going forward, whether or not you get invited to the, to the dance again. Our um, growth actually started in 2004. So we operated one store in the airport from 1987 to 2004. And from 2004, it's when our growth started, when we got our second store in 2004, and then we moved on to several other opportunities down in uh, Indianapolis International Airport, where we were there for 
four years. And that was a, you know, it was a great opportunity to test the waters in operating long distance. And um, so I learned a lot from that. And in just recently, in the past uh, couple of years, we had an opportunity to partner with uh, Parity's Lagardere in Tampa, Florida, where that uh, opportunity came along. And it's been, uh, it's been a blessing to have that opportunity. In Minneapolis, we have some great partners with uh, Hudson News Group, uh, Delaware North Company, uh, Stellar Retail Partners, formerly Pacific Gateway Concessions. And my, my, my message to new operators is don't go after everything. Yeah. Just do it slow, do it right, take your time, and make sure that you don't overextend yourself. Well, you know... I guess there's kind of like a duality to to, to that aspect, right? Um, it's one thing for you. You've been you're a veteran of uh, of many of these, you know, years. And if it's a younger entrepreneur is coming in, or youngish, let's just say, entrepreneur that's coming into the space, this this industry moves at a rather glacial pace anyway. So um, if this is as fast as it goes, and you still have to kind of wait do people don't just have the intestinal fortitude to see it through, but maybe the patience to see it through because it, it takes a, a while still. It does take a while. It does take a while to, um, to cultivate these relationships and the RFP process takes a while. And then the building process takes a while. So true. You do have, have to have quite a bit of patience in it. The industry has changed quite a bit since uh, 1987. And it's something that, Operating within an airport is much different than operating street size because yes. on the street, I believe that, um, from my personal opinion and experience, you have a little bit more control mm-hmm. over your street side locations versus what you have when you operate within an airport because there's so many guidelines and restrictions within an airport industry on how you operate your business. So that uh, creates challenges there. And just the financial aspect of it uh, within in, within the airport industry is, um, you know, grabbing so many opportunities. You can definitely overextend yourself financially. And it's that's something that everybody really needs to be aware of, which I think most people are. The challenge here is you don't own the property either. Yes. You don't own the yeah. real estate in the airport. So when it comes to lenders, financial institutions, going to them as a small business operator saying, hey, I need a million dollars to go do X, Y, and Z at the airport. Do you trust me enough to uh, to pay you back? Because I don't own anything in the airport. Yeah. So creating those relationships and you just have to take them, uh, you know, take them as they come, take them slow, evaluate them and make sure it's going to be a, a good fit. Nothing is 100 percent guaranteed. However, you try to, you know, do your due diligence as much as possible to make sure that it's a win for you. It's funny because uh, speaking to another person, I forgot whom, like, it said the same thing. It, it's still with, uh, you know, lending is still a difficulty. And, I, and it, again, I'm, I'm not uh, that well versed on that side of the business, but is that, I can't believe that's still the case considering you have, if you, someone like yourself and others who have a track record in this space, it's not like you're just coming in and say, give me a million dollars because I want to do X, Y, Z. It's like, I've done X, Y, Z, but I need to do A, B, C. You know what I mean? Uh, and and right, still, right. you're still telling that story, I guess. You know, it's still true. It's still true. And I tell that story to um, especially new operators coming into the industry for myself, yeah. for others. Yes, I've built a relationship with our uh, banker. So they know our business model. They know mm-hmm. our track record over the years. They know the ebbs and flows of the industry and they know what, how these things work. So that there, the financing 
you can still, it's still a challenge for banks to understand that you don't have any collateral in the property that you're borrowing the money on. So what banks end up doing is that they end up taking personal collateral and things of that nature. And that kind of ties back in to what I said earlier about the industry changing and the net worth aspect of ACDBE operators not changing according to the industry, because in order to borrow X amount of money and to build stores, you need to have a certain level of collateral too to support some of the of, of the, uh, the loans that you have. So yeah, it, sure. it's, it's challenging. It, it's definitely a, uh, a challenging scenario that you have to uh, navigate through if you want to if you want to play in this arena. No, no, certainly, certainly. So, Frederick, my last question for you um, would want you to look into your crystal ball. I say that a lot here in terms of looking into the future. But, you know, what do you feel like is the future for small business uh, and ACBEs in this industry? And I hope it's very positive. Um, but what does it look like? Or, I mean, I mean, maybe ideally, what would it look like to you? You know, I think it's extremely important that uh, the ACBE program continues to grow. I think it's something that... Um, Aviation continues to change. I think the overall operation uh, of airports and just the structure of mm-hmm. some of the agreements, they're gonna have, they may have to change at some point. I still see people interested in working in the airport. It's an exciting, fascinating um, opportunity to be in the airport. And it's something that, and if I were to look in the crystal ball, I see more operators probably wanting to uh, go into joint venture models. Like I said, nothing wrong with the joint venture models, but I think it's something that it's, that they may feel more comfortable in that opportunity. And, you know, it's, it's a great environment. And I think through our partnerships and our collaboration with airports, we can ensure that ACDBE programs continue to thrive. But in order to do this, we all have to have skin in the game yes. and be willing to change. We have to be willing to change and adapt to the environment. And there's not one scenario or fix that works for everybody. Because I think one of the things that I um, share with people in, in the industry is that, and many know who've been in the industry, is that ACDBE operators and primes operate on a totally different financial model. Totally different financial model. We don't have the economy of scale, the buying power, the negotiation power that primes have. So it's a little bit more challenging for the ACDBE program. But I think if we work together with the airports and we continue to push towards opportunities and creating opportunities and and not creating obstacles, there's still going to be an an opportunity for small business and women-owned businesses to get in the airport. The worst thing I think we can do collectively is to continue to do what we've done in the past and expect that to work in the future because our times are changing. And what we've done before in the 80s, 90s, <laughs> probably isn't going to work going no, forward. No, no, now. no, no, no. It's, it's, it's irrelevant now. Right now with automation. Exactly. So we definitely, everybody needs to be a part of it. Everybody needs to be willing to put some skin in the game and be willing to work towards the greater good of continuing this program and what it does, because many people may or may not know what HDBE operators do outside of the airport. I think one of the things that those operators do is we create hope for small operators that want to get into the business. We help in changing that economic disparities. We, you know, look for 
creating opportunities in small businesses where there may be generational wealth and opportunities that um, people can look forward to and pass down to other members within their family too. But it's, we have to do it together. It has to be a collective effort. Well, that's all I have. Mr. Frederick Estes, this has been great. And um, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Absolutely. Thank you. I truly appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you at the next conference.